Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, so in case uh, you didn't know, uh, we're a church that we, we love Jesus, and we think Jesus is more than just a, a carpenter. Uh, we think that he's more than just a good teacher, but he was uh, sent to the earth to accomplish a mission that had been foretold by God with hundreds of prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus was born on the earth, and he came to accomplish that, that he is the Savior, and that he, when he was on this earth, had preached the word of God, preached hope in the kingdom of God, taught about God as a good father who cares for his children, who knows everything about us, who is passionate about reuniting us with himself. And he saved us. He makes salvation and relationship with God possible. And he had done all this, paying the penalty for the wrong that you and I had done on the cross, and then had predicted that he would die and rise again, proving that we are in fact forgiven. So instead of us as Christians placing just hope and blind trust that like, maybe I'm forgiven and sometimes I don't feel like it, but I hope so, I, I hope this worked out, I hope I put my faith in the right person, uh, we don't have to have those doubts because he is risen. And with certainty, we can know that we are forgiven when we trust in him and the work that he's done for us. So, uh, so we've been going through uh, the book of Acts, and we're in like this series called The Acts of the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus resurrected, he hung out for 40 days. Uh, he continued to teach, and he said that right, he would send and pour out the Holy Spirit upon his people, upon the church, to equip them and to empower them to accomplish the mission that he sends them on. And so we're going to be picking up in Acts chapter 4 in just a minute, but I'm going to ask James just to pass out some Bibles if you want to follow along. Uh, raise your hand, he can get you one. Uh, if not, you can follow along on a phone, whatever you got, that's fine. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, uh, but we've got New Living Translation. Uh, we're happy with a whole bunch of Bible translations here, so you don't have to like commit to one. Uh, in fact, I'd recommend reading multiple. Uh, so, so last week in Acts chapter 4, uh, we saw Peter and John, uh, who had a day before, they were just planning on like going to the temple to pray, and they came across this guy who had been crippled for 40 years, and uh, the guy was asking for money. And Peter uh, says like, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you freely. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the dude gets healed, and then they go to the temple to pray together. And Peter preaches a message, and people get upset because he talks about Jesus, and they get arrested, kept overnight, uh, and then interrogated the next day, and they are threatened. They are told never to preach again in the name of Jesus. And so that's like, that's hard, right? Because, you know, God does this miracle in Jesus' name. People are saved. In fact, it said that 5,000 men that day were saved. That doesn't include the women and children. So God does this mighty work. And you'd think that wouldn't it be nice if the world we lived in just happened to like encourage and coincide with when we do the right thing that like we're rewarded for that. But that's not the world that you and I live in. We live in a fallen and broken world, and one day God will make it right. But in the meantime, sometimes when we do the right thing, life gets uncomfortable and life can get hard as a result of doing what's right. And so they are threatened by the religious leaders of their day to never preach again in the name of Jesus. And like, 
That's uncomfortable, right? We want people to like us, and the fact that someone's offended with us, right, makes us uncomfortable. And so that, that they come to this point of like, what are we going to do? And so Peter said to them, right, which would you rather us do? Should we obey you or obey God? You be the judge. And he says, but we cannot help but speak of the things that we've seen and heard, right? We can't hold this back. We can't stay silent about this good news that we have seen, that we're witnesses of, right? We saw our friend die and be buried, and then we saw him come back to life. And he offers this good news of salvation in whom there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. He says that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Like, we can't just stay quiet about this. And so they're released. And that's where we're picking up today in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends. Okay, so think about if you were friends with Peter and John, and they had just been threatened like this, right? They're maybe a little bit intimidated, right? Maybe they're a little bit nervous. What would you, as a friend, do for them, right? What would you, as a friend, do for them? So so when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them, okay? And when they heard it, think about what would we respond? How would we respond? What would we say, right? Are we going to like mope about this? Are we going to be discouraged? Are we going to like, like water down the message we preach? Are we just going to, well, maybe Jesus did want us to go out and do good. Maybe we'll just do the good thing and we won't say Jesus, like, because they were getting upset about this. Like, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to be angry, right? Are they going to be frustrated that they feel like their rights have been violated? I mean, they didn't have freedom of religion, but right? Like, would they be like, no, I, we deserve to be able to believe and preach in Jesus' name, right? Like, how will they respond? And so just think about, like, in that place, what would you do, right? Are they going to succumb to to fear resulting from this this negative reaction to Jesus, right? Are are they going to choose to avoid doing the mission that God sent them on, right? So so what they do next, we'll see in a moment, is they're going to pray. And it's not just one person that prays. They actually pray together. And I think this is really cool. Uh, It'll actually say in a moment, and I'm not even there yet. You can can read ahead. Don't worry. It won't be cheating. You can actually, we'll see, someone's going to shout out answers and be like, Brian, this is what they do next. It's like, ah, good job, right? But here we go. I know I'm like, I'm tapping the brakes here. But it says, right, that they lifted up their voices to God. And at the end of this passage, it'll say that, and, uh, and when they had prayed, that they actually pray together. They pray with their friends. And I think this is an amazing response. <clears throat> this is the best response, that when we experience something difficult, that when we go to our friends, sometimes as friends, you kind of want to just be like, well, maybe they just need like a little bit of pity right now. Maybe they just need me to be with them. And and sometimes maybe a little bit, just like comfort, right? God is the God of all comfort and he comforts us and the comfort that he gives us, he wants us to give to other people, okay? But but praying is powerful. It, it, It invites God into their situation. It invites God into their circumstance. Instead of spending hours talking about how difficult life is, it immediately invites God into the middle of their lives, right? Like, this is the best response. And, and they pray with each other, right? So it says they actually pray together. 
And so they're encouraging one another in this moment, in this time, when they, they've just been threatened and probably rattled a little bit by what's going on, okay? And, and so I want to just point out that, that when you or I, because I believe that the Bible teaches us things that we can take wisdom from and apply to our own lives, that when you or I are going through a hard time, come and be a part of the family of God and, and pray with one another, right? Encourage each other or, or be honest about the struggles that you're having, the, the difficulty that you have, right? That when you have a hard time or when you don't understand why God might be letting something go on in your life, pray about it and come to the family of God and be a part of that. That, that even just this morning, and we've been doing it every Sunday for a while before the gathering, we've got a group where, where we can just come and pray together. And it's not like one person prays all of it and then the rest of us just say amen, right? There's different people just kind of praying what God is placing on their hearts. And it's this awesome and beautiful thing that you can come and, and communicate maybe your need or your struggle and, and you'll be prayed for. And at the end of the gathering, that's one of the things that we've been, we've been doing is now we have people here to pray with you at the end, just so that way when you have a hard thing you're going through, that you have someone that you can be encouraged with, that you can together invite God into your life. And this is an awesome, awesome response. And uh, one of the cool things I want to point out is you don't only have to pray at church. Turns out, like, you get, you get signal wherever you go, all right? Like, you don't have to, like, worry about, like, being out of range, right? Like, you get signal wherever you go. And uh, Jesus, right, he talked about, we, we went I think earlier this year, we went through the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus talked about when you pray, pray in the secret place, that you can pray by yourself, that you can find a space in your house like a closet, he described, right? Close the door behind you. You can pray by yourself. You can go before the presence of God on your own. But also, like we'll see here, they pray together, right? They pray as the family of God. So, so it can be whatever context you find yourself in, you can pray. And, and this, is, this might be crazy, but you can pray more than just like one day a week. You can pray every day if you want. And I'll even show this to you in the Bible, right? Like I just said, they were going to the temple to pray one day. They were arrested, held overnight, tried and released, and now they're praying two days in a row? Like this is crazy, right? But you can pray two days in a row, right? You don't have to like just like, no, I guess I'll, maybe I'll wait till Sunday. No, wherever you find yourself, you can pray and invite God into your circumstances. And so what's cool is uh, we are going to be given a summary of what they prayed. It wasn't everything that was prayed. I don't know if for portions of this scripture, it was uh, all one person's prayer. I don't know if it was multiple people praying. It seems like it was kind of a continuous thought, but I don't think the Bible recorded all of it for us. But the point is, what we do see is that they prayed as a group, all right? They pray together. And so, so let's see what happens. So, so let's look at the rest of the verse. So when they heard it, they lifted up their voices, up oh, back one, sorry, uh, together to God and said, sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Pause right there. All right. So check this out. In prayer, they remind themselves who they're praying to, right? They remind themselves of who God is, what he's done, what his character is like. So when we pray, it's not just like our like wishful feelings being communicated out into the universe and hoping that it like 
produces something that'll feed back into our reality. That's not what we're doing. When we're praying, we're praying to the sovereign Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, all right? So if we're praying to the person who's made the heavens and the seas and everything in them, that means we're praying to someone who is capable of accomplishing things, right? We're praying to someone who is powerful, we're praying to someone who has made the whole universe. Like, I don't know if you've noticed it, like looked around. The universe that we live in, all of it was made by the person that you and I get to pray to, right? All of it, okay? So, so when we come to God with our problems and your problems and my problems exist within our universe, I, I'm sorry if your problems are beyond that. I, I doubt they are. Maybe I could persuade you that they're not. They exist within the universe that God made, right? He has the ability to solve those problems, all right? And he knows, because he stands outside of space-time, he knows where your life is going from there. He knows what he's called you to do. He knows the good works that he wants you to do, that he's foreordained for you to just simply walk them out. He knows exactly where you need to be. He's placed you in the time in which you live. He's placed you in the geography in which you live uh, to do the things that he's called you to do. So when we pray to God, we pray to a God who is able, all right? We pray to a God who, uh, in their situation, it's not like God was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, re I didn't know you guys were going to be put on trial for preaching about Jesus. My bad, guys. I didn't mean to put you in that awkward situation. It was supposed to work out. I'm sorry, right? Like, no, no, no. God knew that was going to happen, right? God knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, God was present in that time, right, filling them with his presence, filling them with the Holy Spirit, so that while they were on trial, they were saying the things that God wanted them to say, right? Like, that's pretty cool, right? Like, God was just in the midst of this difficult, awkward time. And they also remind themselves that uh, God is in charge, right? That he is the sovereign Lord, that he is authority over all the earth. So it's not like he uh, just made all of creation, but then he's like, oh, sorry, I gotta check with my boss, I'm sorry, just let me find out whether or not I can answer your prayer. No, 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 he is in charge of everything. And any authority that presently exists on the earth only exists because he allows it to exist, right? So it's not like these religious leaders have more authority than God does. It's not like any law that any nation can pass supersedes God's law. He's in charge, right? He's in charge, and he's the one that we're going to pray to, right? And, and so, like, imagine the situation they just came out of where they feel powerless, right? Where they feel they have no authority, and now they go into the presence of God who made them, who equips them, who empowers them, who calls them, and, like, all right, like, I'm already feeling better. Like, this is the person I'm praying to. Right? Like, okay, here we go. So, so this is what they do. So, sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit. Pause one more time. You might be like, Brian, we didn't even learn anything new yet. Right? Okay. <laughs> so, so, but what we see is, is actually pretty cool. As they're praying, they're about to quote the Bible in the middle of their prayer, all right? Now, this is actually really cool, uh, that they're about to quote the Bible in the middle of their prayer, and this actually gives them confidence, okay? This actually allows you to pray things that you know God had already said, all right, that you know you're allowed to pray. 
Like, but before, like, I'd started reading the Bible, like, I might have had some ideas of what I was allowed to pray about. It's like, no, you, uh, you can pray before you eat and before you go to bed. Like, those are the things that you pray about, right? But no, then you read the Bible and you realize the types of things that people prayed about. And it's like, wow, I didn't even know I could pray about those things. I didn't even know I could invite God into those moments, right? But we are able to pray about all of these things. And one of the things that we can do is pray the scriptures, right? That, that we don't have to question like, you know, you might pray like, God, I, I hope I get this job that I'm applying for. Like, what do you want me to do here? I don't know. Like when I pray something like that, right, we yield to God's authority because I don't know whether or not that's something God wants for me. I don't know what, like, I think it might be a good idea, but God might have a better idea than I have. So that's okay. So he can say no to those prayers, right? And he's got authority to do so. But if I pray according to the Bible, if I bring the Bible into the context of my prayers, then I can pray with much more confidence and boldness because it's like, this is what God has already said, right? Like, it's not like I'm going to be like, God, remember that time you did this or, or you said that you would do this and, and now I can pray this back to you, reminding you of your word and your goodness and your promises. And I don't have to be like, God, how do you still feel about forgiving sin? Like, no, no, I don't need to doubt that. Like, I can pray it with, with boldness for forgiveness, with repentance, right? I can, I can do that without, like, not knowing whether or not God is about that business anymore. And so praying the scriptures is really, really empowering. It'll give you boldness when you pray. And also, check this out. This is so big. Who wrote the Bible? It says, they're, they're about to quote from Psalms, all right? So it says, you, who through the mouth of our father David, written by David, right, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, okay? So Christians don't believe, just in case you're wondering, that the Bible just suddenly like uh, appeared from the sky. Like we believe that the Bible was written by people, by humans, okay? Uh, so like we're not like confused about that issue. It was written over a thousand, over a thousand years by at least 40 different authors, okay? And, but what's interesting here is it says that it was written by the Holy Spirit, right? That the same Holy Spirit that was filling the disciples to accomplish the mission that God sends them on, the same Holy Spirit that leads them and guides them, right? The same Holy Spirit that empowers them with, with the power to even like heal that guy that has been crippled for 40 years, that same Holy Spirit authored the Bible. And so like when you're hanging out with the Spirit of God and you're reading the Bible, like you're, you're getting to hang out with the author of the Bible, right? It's like, so the promises that God gives, he's now dwelling inside of you. And it's like, if you go to like a book signing for like a favorite author, like the Bible's author dwells inside of you once you've trusted in Jesus for salvation, right? Like the author of the Bible, and maybe you don't think that's that big of a deal, the creator of the universe somehow fits his infinite self into a finite space and wants to live inside of us, right? That's crazy, but I just want to point that out. God wrote the Bible. And so now they quote this verse, and maybe we'll see what you think about this. I don't know. It says, uh, so why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? Gentiles, in case you don't know, are are non-Jewish people, which is probably most of us in this room, okay? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. 
All right, so I don't know, that's a weird Bible verse to pray maybe, but think about their situation that they're in. They are encountering uh, conflict over the fact that they're doing what God has called them to do. And they're reminding themselves that even as Jesus, God's anointed, was on the earth, who did everything right, right, who lived a perfect sinless life, who was anointed by God, right, who went about doing good, healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil, the Bible says, uh, that, that Jesus was anointed and God knew that he would encounter difficulty, that he would encounter persecution, that, that he would encounter those who would rage and plot against him. And so now that the disciples are experiencing the same type of persecution, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, you knew that this was going to happen to Jesus. Jesus did everything right. He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. And he encountered this type of hostility. And so it reminds them in prayer that even if you're doing the right thing, which I mean, we don't do perfectly all the time. We don't do the right thing all the time. And we don't do the right thing with the right motives all of the time. But even if Jesus, right, Jesus did the right thing all of the time, if he's encountering this sort of hostility, in the midst of doing the right thing, then it kind of makes you feel like, all right, so like we, we saw that guy healed, we preached about Jesus, it seems like we did the right things yesterday, and then we got thrown in jail. And like, it's like, what's going on? I don't understand. But they're reminding themselves of God's word that God knew this was gonna happen to Jesus. God knew that his word would at times be offensive to people that they wouldn't respond positively to it. They, it wouldn't be all high fives and hugs when you preach about Jesus, that some people are going to be mad about it. And that's okay, right? That's okay. So, so there are times in which Christianity, uh, we will encounter persecution, and we will encounter people shaming us for believing what we do about Jesus. And that's okay that they'll respond that way. That doesn't mean that we did the wrong thing. Right? We have to recognize that even as we are anointed by God's Holy Spirit to go out and do this mission, that there will be people who will still be upset. And we may be perplexed in the midst of persecution or suffering, but we don't need to be in despair. Let's see, verse 27. For truly in this city, no longer quoting the Bible here. Well, he's writing the Bible he was quoted in the Bible, but he's not reading the quote from the Old Testament in the Bible. All right, you guys are with me. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So once again, they realized Jesus was anointed. Jesus encountered hostility. Jesus had all of these authorities that were opposed to him who eventually put him to death. But notice who was in control? The sovereign Lord, right? Whose plan was this? Each of those authorities had their own individual, right, free will, their own choices they're making, but they were all playing into God's plan for salvation. All right? Right? It said that to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That, that we don't need to be confused about suffering or persecution because that also is working according to God's plan, right? That when they were encountering this, rather than shying away from preaching the gospel, rather than retreating from the mission that Jesus sent them on, right? They're like, no, 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 
right? Jesus did this stuff, and this was all according to God's plan, even the parts where he was put to death as an innocent man, right? Even that part, even the part where the the greatest injustice that ever happened in all of human history occurred, where the one innocent person on the earth experienced, right, evil coming upon them in the form of them experiencing suffering and death, right? Like, even in that moment, God was in control. And so when you're praying and you're like, all right, God, I might not be able to piece together or reconcile the reality that I'm experiencing to the theology that I believe in. I might not understand, like, why am I experiencing this hostility? But that's okay, because I know you and you are in control, right? So, like, in, in our prayers, we can have confidence and not have to fear when we realize who is in authority, All right, so that's one of the things that they say. All right, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, so so check this out. Uh, First of all, uh, Jesus said regarding prayer one time, uh, man, now, now I've really set myself up. I might not remember it exactly, but this is basically the gist, that when we pray, God already knows the things that we need. All right, when, when you're like, God, I, I have this need, like, Lord, please bring provision as you are so faithful to do so. It's not like God's like, oh, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. I forgot that you had that need. It, he knew the whole time. God knows the things that we need, okay? But God still desires for us to come into his presence, right, full of joy, right, full of confidence, come before our good Father God and be able to say, Lord, Lord, can you provide for this need, right? God wants us to pray about, right, God at work in other people. He wants us to pray about the accomplishing of his mission. He wants us to pray about seeking, asking, and knocking. He wants us to pray about him equipping us with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to pray about these things even though he already knows that we need them. So when they pray this part about, and now, Lord, look upon the th- on their threats, it's not like God didn't realize that they were just threatened a moment ago, right? It's not like God was like, oh, I'm, I didn't realize, I'm sorry, like, thanks for pointing that out to me. I completely, I, I was looking in another part of the universe at the time, and then they threatened you. I, I was unaware. No, 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 God already knew this but we can still inform God of what's going on. Like, Lord, this is the thing that's heavy on my heart right now, right? This is the thing that's concerning me. This is the thing that I'm struggling with. And even though he's already aware, right? Like we can know, okay, God, you are paying attention. This has not slipped your sight. This is not something that you have ignored. You are, right, aware of this situation. So they're like, Lord, look upon their threats. And then they say, grant your servants to continue to speak with all boldness. This, I think, is the coolest part of this prayer, all right? They pray for something difficult. They pray for the very thing that their flesh is likely afraid to do, right? When Peter was encountering this, these threats and he was preaching like a super tough sermon to the people that had just killed Jesus two months ago, which for all Peter knew probably was going to be his last sermon, like his heart was probably pounding. Right? He was probably terrified, but still did what God called him to do in the midst of being afraid. And, and now when they pray, they're not like, so God, maybe you could change the mission you gave us. 
right? Maybe, maybe we don't have to pray so boldly or, or speak so boldly. Maybe, maybe we don't have to go out to like the people that don't like us. Maybe, Lord, could you just bring the people that love you to us and then we'll like whisper to them about what your plan is? Like maybe you could change the mission or change the world so that just no one is a sinner and no one dislikes Jesus. Maybe you could do that. That's, that's not what they pray. They actually like pray and like box themselves into a corner to do the thing that God called them to do, right? They're like, Lord, grant us to continue speaking with all boldness, right? They're they're like praying and realizing, no, this is what God's called us to do. Yes, it is difficult, but let's pray ourselves into this corner, right? Like, what are we even doing here? Why are we even like talking to God if I'm not planning on doing the things that he calls me to do? Right, like what, what's the, even the point? Like, like God, could you just completely change your mind about how you're gonna lead people to salvation? Like no, like this is, this is what we face. Let's do the difficult thing and let's ask God to grant us this. That God would gift us with obedience to even difficult things. And so when you pray, this is like when you are setting your heart up to obey God in an amazing way. Right, when you pray something like this, when you pray for the hard thing that is a hard thing for you to do, right? Like imagine praying something like, Lord, help me forgive this person that I really don't want to forgive. Right? That's a prayer where you're already like, all right, I guess like my flesh is just surrendering already. I'm praying this. Like, what's the point of even leaving this prayer to then go and not do what I just prayed about? Right? Like, Lord, help me to forgive this person that I don't want to. Help me, Lord, grant me with the means to be generous. Right? Lord, be at work in me. Help me to overcome lust or temptation. Right? Help me, Lord, expose any sin that's in my heart. When we start praying that way, right, it's setting ourselves up to obey God in a tremendous way, and that obedience is a gift from God to us. So, so Lord, right, Lord, help me be honest even in difficult situations, right? Lord, I'm tempted right now to just kind of like blur the truth a little bit and maybe these circumstances I'm facing, but instead of praying like, God, I hope they don't find out, pray, Lord, help me to be honest, even in the midst of those circumstances, right? Rather than giving yourself an out for sin later on, pray for the difficult thing now, right? And, and this is awesome. Like when we pray this way, we're praying in accordance to God's will and not ours. Because when we pray, it's not like God is our our genie that just does whatever we wish. All right, God, once again, let's be reminded, he is sovereign Lord over all the earth. Right, that's who we're praying to. So so then to like pray and like command him around like he's our butler isn't the kind of prayer that we should be doing. Right, we should be praying, Lord, help me to obey this wonderful plan that you've called me to. Help me to do your will, O Lord. Let me read this verse from 1 John 5. So John the Apostle, one of Jesus' friends, uh, this is what he writes. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Pause there. Okay, pause there. If you, this is completely unrelated to the sermon, but it's just too good. If you have doubts about how much God loves you, about whether or not you've experienced salvation in him. All right, about whether or not, like, am I gonna go to heaven when I die? Like, I don't know. Like, I just wanna point out that the Bible is written with such boldness that you can know whether or not you have eternal life. 
You're not supposed to be like in fear of whether or not God cares for you, loves you, has forgiven you. You can know with certainty that you have eternal life. And it's not on on our own credit and our own goodness, our own accounts. It's on account of what Jesus has done. And when we trust in him, when we've turned, when we've repented from living life our own way and trusted in him, I don't have to question whether or not I'm saved. Right? We can have confidence. And just that fact alone can completely set you free in the way you live. All right, so that's a little side note. All right, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. All right? And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And so when we pray for a hard thing to be done, when we pray in, in contrast to maybe what our flesh desires, right, we know that God's going to answer that prayer. We know that God's about that business. When we pray according to his word, according to his will, we don't have to be like, I don't know, God, do you th- what do you think about this? I'm just pitching some ideas out. Let's, let's just brainstorm you and me. I was thinking this might be cool. No, no, no. Let's just pray according to his will. Right? Let's just pray that God would do the things that he already said he would do. Let's, let's bring ourselves into submission to the sovereign Lord over all the earth and pray for us to do these hard things. And the good news is it's not then like on our shoulders to do on our own, that God empowers us, that we are co-laborers with him. Right? That is, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. When we team up with Jesus, that we can accomplish what he's called us to do. Right? And it's, it's easy once we've finally like surrendered our flesh, put to death ourselves, that we would take up our cross and follow him. Then it's just like, all right, Lord, you just do this. And I'm just going to walk it out. Right? That we don't have to be afraid in those moments that, that we can trust, that God empowers us to do the things that he calls us to do. Right? Like this is so awesome. This is the way that we want to pray. And so that's what we see in this moment, that these disciples, they pray that God would grant them to continue to speak with all boldness. That's something that their hearts probably are a little bit scared to do. And, right, and then they pray that as they do what God has called them to do, that then God would do the things that only God can do. Right, he says this, right, that they pray that God would heal people, that signs and wonders would be done in his name as they do, right, the bold speaking about God's word. Right, so, so we don't, we don't kind of like force God to do miracles when we're just living life our own way and have no interest in what God wants to do, right? But as we are walking out what God has called us to, then we can be sure that God's going to be following us, right, That's with signs following. It's just going to happen, right, that, that, that God's going to be about the business of his kingdom, that we don't have to be like, you know, worried about that. We just do the thing that we are called to do, and God will do the thing that only God can do, right? That's what, that's what we do. So we pray that he does the healing, he does the signs and the miracles, that he's the one that draws people to repentance and regenerates them and brings them to new life. Those are things that we can't do, but he asked us to tell people. So we'll do that part, and then he'll do the rest. He'll be the one that brings the increase as you and I are faithful to just continue to plant seeds of the word of God or to water the seeds that have already been planted. And then he will do the rest. 
Let's see, verse 31. And when they had prayed, so and when they had prayed, so once again, they prayed as a group. We don't know who prayed which part of that prayer. It might have been one person, but then maybe they didn't write down all of them. But either way, they were all praying together. It says, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So I want to point out that uh, what did Peter and John's friends do when they, their buddies came to them with some, some rough news? They prayed, right? They invited God into that situation. They invited the Holy Spirit into their situation. They, they built them up. They encouraged them. They stirred them up towards the good works that they're called to do. They, they didn't like allow their friends to have like a place of, well, maybe, maybe we'll just all stop doing what God called us to do. Like, it's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not an option that we really would want to follow through. We don't want that end result. Let's do the thing that God called us to do, even though it's hard, right? They, they, they challenged them to continue to be obedient to the God who loves them, right? And how does God respond? God answers their prayer. Now, God didn't answer it in the way that maybe we would have wanted because they continue to get threatened in later chapters and acts. They actually, the next time they get caught, they get beaten up. Time after that, one of them gets put to death. All right, it, it, so God didn't answer the prayer and suddenly be like, and now no one doesn't like Christians anymore. That wasn't the answer to the prayer. All right, I know that's what you and I wanted, but that's not how God answered the prayer. What God did was he filled them with the Holy Spirit. God empowers them for the mission that he called them to do. And it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can accomplish these things, right? That this is what God does. God answers their prayer to do still the hard thing, right? God didn't just like remove the problem. He's like, nope, this is what I've called you to do. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And what's interesting here, a little side note about them being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the way that the Holy Spirit fills us, it says that he has a variety of gifts, right? He, he acts in a variety of different ways, right? That the Holy Spirit does the work of bringing us to new life when we trust in Jesus, right? That the Holy Spirit develops in us character over time with the fruit of the Spirit. You can read about in Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit gives us the gifts of the Spirit, right? Empowering the church with a variety of gifts as He wills, so we don't get to force Him to do or act the way that we want Him to at any moment, but He empowers the church, right? That the Holy Spirit shows up and fills them. And in case you're keeping count, this is at least the third time Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Right? Peter was filled on the day of Pentecost. He was filled in the Spirit when he was preaching the Word of God. And now he's filled again at the end of this prayer. So I just want to point out that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not like a one-time thing that you need to experience. All right? That we can continue to pursue God and to ask Him, Lord, fill us with your Spirit today that I would be able to do the things that you're calling me to do, that I would become more like you as the Holy Spirit does the work of sanctifying me and making me more like Jesus, right? Look, fill me with your spirit today. All right, let's see. For sake of time, let's see, Amelia, I'm gonna have you skip to Ephesians 5, 18, all right? I was gonna read this whole passage. It's super hard to like 
pull a verse from Paul because dudes just got like run on sentences and it's kind of hard to like take a snippet. But, but here we go. All right. He says this, and do not get drunk with wine. All right. So maybe that was just for free. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart right now about that. That's not even what the sermon's about, but there you go. It's in the Bible. Uh, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So verse 18, if you could jump back to that one, but be filled with the Spirit. This is actually a, a command. It's a command. And I want to point out that, that God doesn't command us to do things that are against his will. So that means being filled with the Spirit is something that God wants for us if he's going to command it. And being filled with the Spirit isn't something that we can force. It's something that we ask him, and, and God is a good father. Jesus said it this way, uh, that which of you, uh, if you have a son and they ask for bread, would you give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, would you give them a scorpion? I don't know, I might be mixing up some of the points there. But he says this, if you who are evil give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask of him? Right? So when we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, he's not going to accidentally fill us with a demon. Right? He's not going to accidentally give us something that's against his will. Right? We can ask God to fill us with his spirit. And in terms of perpetual or repeated filling of the spirit, this verse, be filled, the verb there, in some translations, they, they got it right, they pulled it from the Greek, and they'll say, it's kind of weird sounding, but be being filled with the Spirit. It's actually a repeated action. Similar to when Jesus was preaching and said, uh, ask uh, and you will get the answer, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open, that those verbs, ask, seek, and uh, knock, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down here apparently, all of those verbs are also perpetual present tense. I'm not an English etician, but that sounds close enough for me, right? But they're basically Jesus saying, ask and keep asking, right? Seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. And that's the same type of verb that we see here, be being filled with the Spirit, right? That this is something that we don't do once. It's not an experience you had one time. It's something that we perpetually ask God to do, and he continues to show up every day. So let's pray, church, before we uh, get back, and we'll do one more song, uh, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you that whatever circumstances we, we experienced this last week, that, Lord, we come together and we can come before you boldly, that you are at work in our lives, and we invite you to work in us. I pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to establish justice, that you would continue to let your light shine forth, that you would continue to let your love be known and seen through your church. I pray that, Lord, whatever struggles we face, that you would give us the boldness to do the right thing even in the midst of being treated wrong. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you that you do not leave us on our own or as orphans, but you give us, you pour out the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this day and on, you would continue to fill us with your spirit and your presence, that we would be a people of God that does not merely pursue power for our own ends, but God, that we would pursue the mission you've given us and that you would equip us for this mission. 
and that we would follow after you with obedient hearts and experience with joy freedom from sin, freedom from condemnation, and that we would be able to enjoy your presence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. So for the, uh, at the end of the gathering, at the end of this last song, or maybe even during it if you're interested, uh, Dan and Robin this week are here to pray with you. If there's a need, something that you need to be encouraged with, find them at the end of the gathering, and they would love to do so. And let's, uh, let's stand and sing and worship God with one more song. Last or second to last song there.